If you would open your Bibles to the book of Psalm chapter 100. Psalm chapter 100. Some years ago, uh, I recall uh, Maranatha Music, uh, they would take scriptures and put them to song in such a beautiful way. And uh, I remember just listening um, to many of these psalms uh, being put to uh, great music uh, directly out of the Word of God. And I love this psalm, Psalm 100. It says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He has made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. Have you ever thought about when you see Jesus, what are the first words you're going to say? Have you ever thought about that? When you see Jesus, what are some of the first words that you're going to say? I'm overwhelmed when I think about what the Lord has done for me. And really, one word that summarizes it, and there are many words to be able to convey how worthy God is, how awesome He is, how powerful He is, how lovely He is, how beautiful He is. But truly, maybe not even fully being able to express it, the word that encapsulates it for me is gratefulness, gratefulness for what he's done. When John, the Apostle John, saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, he fell at his feet as though dead. I'm not so sure we'll be able to speak like we think we're going to be able to speak in the presence of the Almighty God. We may get around to it, but I I think the initial shock is going to be quite overwhelming. But even when you can't speak, there's something that wells up within your spirit. God, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. When I think about how Jesus saved my life, it's not that he just made a decision to do something. He paid for mine with his. And that overwhelms me. And as we are Approaching Thanksgiving holiday, I wanted to take this opportunity and divert from sharing with you in the book of Revelation the letters that Jesus wrote to the churches and to talk to you about Thanksgiving and us having an attitude of thankfulness and how it affects our life. Because just like when you have bitterness, it affects you, it affects your health, 
when you have hatred, it affects you. It affects your health as well. Uh, so when you have thankfulness, it also affects your health. And, um, you know, there's all these good tips you can find online, all these little life hacks and all kinds of things you can see in your Facebook feed and all kinds of unique things that you can do to keep your body in good health. And while that has good merit, the health of your spirit affects your health in your body tremendously. I believe that it affects you more than you realize because it's hard to scientifically study it. It, it. It's amazing to me how God's Word, when God speaks, He speaks from the realm of knowing everything. And yet, from a natural perspective, we oftentimes approach it from like, well, for me to really put my trust in this, I've got to fully understand it. Well, let me tell you, friend, if you wait to fully understand God before you trust Him, you're going to be waiting quite a while. That's just the bottom line. Now, that doesn't mean you won't know anything about Him, because certainly He has revealed Himself to us by His Holy Spirit. But even the Apostle Paul, who was taken up into heaven, even he speaks that there is so much that is mysterious about our God. I mean, even in Revelation, the things that we're told, you dive into it, you tear it apart, you try to find out this and that, even that is limited. There are things that God revealed to John, to Daniel, to others, where God literally said, don't tell anybody about what I told you. Seal it up. Zip it. So even they found out stuff that they couldn't tell us. Mysteries. But our God, when He speaks to us, He speaks to us from the perspective of knowing all those mysteries and giving us the best scoop that we need for the moment. That's such a wonderful blessing. You're getting the best information ever when you listen to God's Word because He knows everything. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about tapping in to a, being a, having a thankful heart. And really, uh, I want to, to reference it as our attitude of gratitude being a real eye-opener for us. Because I believe it changes our perspective. It's as if you put on a pair. Have you ever put on those, um, not just sunglasses, but, <clears throat> excuse me, they have these nighttime driving glasses. They're like yellow-tinted. And you put those on and it kind of diffuses the light and it brightens up the dark areas and the headlights coming at you, it just kind of makes them a little less intense. And it, it does what it needs to do so that your eyes don't have to get so strained if you're driving hours and hours at night and they work really well. Well, when you have an attitude of thankfulness, it's like putting on glasses that changes your perspective. That when things happen in your life, you begin to see the same exact thing, but from a different perspective. And I want to encourage you this morning to turn your heart to be a thankful heart and to let you know that there are great benefits that come from you looking at things with a heart of thanksgiving. 
when I've gone through some physical challenges or uh, maybe faced some issues, whether it be financial or whatever the case may be, struggles that we all deal with in life, one thing that always stands out to me is I am so grateful to God that even in the worst of the problem that I might be experiencing at that moment, technically, because the wages of my sin was death, I'm doing quite well because I'm still alive. And yes, I may have this problem. May I, I may have this issue, but I'm alive, and I thank God for that. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done for me, and it changes my perspective. Okay, so I owe this money. Okay, so I'm dealing with this sickness. But I thank God for what I have today. And it, and, it, and it changes my perspective. Instead of me feeling sorry for myself, I began to be grateful to God for what he has given to me. And recognizing things could be a whole lot worse if it were not for the goodness of my God. So I want to share with you a few scriptures. Uh, there from uh, Psalm 100 uh, clearly, we read there in verse 4, we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. At whatever way we end up approaching Jesus when we finally see him face to face, hope that all of us somewhere in there would be able to shout out a thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for what you did for me. I would hope the first thing on our mind, I would hope, is not, hey, where am I living at? You know that mansion you said you've been building for me? You've been working on it quite a while. Love to see it. I mean, that's cool stuff, but I'd hope that's not our first focus. You got plenty of time to get acquainted with your mansion in heaven, but I would hope that the very first thing we desire to do is to express our thanks like that one leper who came back fell at his feet, said, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. And I believe that that one leper, his life was so blessed because of his attitude of thankfulness. There was a, uh, an atheist named Harriet, Harriet Martineau. And uh, this lady, she... One morning, her and a friend of hers stepped out into the, a beautiful fall morning. She saw the brilliant sun peeking through the haze and the frost on the meadow and the brightly colored leaves making their way lazily to the ground. She was filled with this wonderful sense of beauty, and she burst forth with these words. This is an atheist. She says, I'm just so grateful for it all. And her friend, who was a believer, asked her, a grateful to whom, my dear? Grateful to whom? You see, thankfulness opens our eyes to see the wonderful qualities of our magnificent God. Romans chapter 1, I want to turn there for a moment. You can uh, leave Psalms and head to Romans chapter 1. Beginning in verse 20, 
it says these words. Listen closely. Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. So this is a very important passage because this shows us from God's Word how a person progresses to enter into a state of darkness, chaos, and confusion. The Bible tells us that at the beginning, even as a child is born and they grow up, you, you take them out on a hike and they get to see all the beauty of God's creation. There is a sense of awe. They know they didn't create it. And so though they may not have even heard about this wonderful God, they know that there are these particular traits about the one who made these things. It is evident from the creation, these invisible qualities of our God, his eternal power, and his divine nature. And according to the word of God, we all have no excuse for not knowing God. In fact, it says that from the get-go, even though it may be something tiny, verse 21 says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or give him thanks. Now, here is the risk. When you see what God has done and you turn your heart away from giving him thanks, you are turning from light to darkness. You may not intentionally do that. You may not be saying, well, now I want my mind to be all confused, so let me do this. But it's the inevitable result of a heart that turns away from acknowledging the wonderful characteristics which point to the invisible God. And when a person does that, when I do that, when you do that, we take a step towards darkness, even though we may not intentionally do it. When we are grateful, we take a step towards the light. And what happens is, is that there is a transition that happens depending on the direction of our heart. I don't know if any of you have transition lenses. Transition lenses are pretty cool because if you have to wear glasses, you can get the special coating on them that if you walk out into the sun, you don't have to have a separate pair of sunglasses. Your glasses will automatically darken. It's amazing. They'll automatically adjust to the amount of sunlight that's coming. And if you walk inside a room, they could become completely clear. Now, what happens with you and with me is when we know what God has done for us and we refuse to acknowledge what he has done, to acknowledge him or to give him thanks, our vision all of a sudden goes through a transition. 
And we began to not see as clearly as we used to see. Now, I've, I've talked with various people who have the opinion that once a person decides to follow Christ and accept the message of the gospel, through a series of steps feel that no matter what happens, that that person can never walk away or decide to turn away from God. Now, I believe from Scripture that God's Word, clear, God's word clearly shows us very clear warnings and with warnings, that shows obvious possibility. And so uh, I remember speaking with this one person who, who, who loved the Lord, and their comment was this, you know, I just love God so much, I could never see myself ever turning away from Him. And here's the reality, is at that moment, that is true. But here's what happens that we don't see from that very moment into the future. If our hearts begin to turn away from God, there is a change that happens in our spirit and in our spiritual eyesight that we no longer see the same way we used to see. And so things that you would have never done when, when you were passionate about God, all of a sudden you begin doing them. And so what happens is as your heart gets farther and farther away from God, your spiritual vision gets more blind and more blind. And that's exactly what 2 Peter talks about in chapter 1, where it says those who remember what they have been forgiven from and continue to add to their faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. To those who do that, they are ever increasing in their usefulness for the kingdom of God. But for those, it says, who do not remember from what they have been forgiven from, that they end up becoming blind spiritually. And this is a process that can happen when we have an ungrateful heart. And you could fast forward in your life 10 years after living with an ungrateful heart and not acknowledging the God who saved you in the first place. That is the process that a person walks through if at one moment they came to this altar and gave their heart to Christ and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. But then, as Jesus put it in the parable, that that person was even very excited to be able to receive the word of God, and then the weeds begin to grow alongside the seed of the word of God. And what does the scripture say? That those weeds end up choking out the seed of the word of God. Now, notice in the parable that that seed that fell and initially took root, never bore any fruit for the kingdom of God. That is the example of a person who begins to follow Christ, but then walks away from the gospel. I don't know the exact amount of rope that God gives to say, well, this is as far as you're going to go. That doesn't mean that every time we make a mistake, that God erases our name from the book of life. 
But I'm here to tell you that even though you may be walking with God today, if you turn your heart away from God, God will not simply say, well, at one day, at one time, you gave your heart to me, so you're locked in. And I will be glad to share with you scriptures from the word of God to support that. I'm here to tell you that our walk with God is a fluid walk. It is not a static walk that we must be regularly demonstrating a heart of gratitude to the Lord. And what happens is when we turn our heart away from worshiping Him and from giving Him thanks, our eyes become blind and we begin doing things we would have never, ever done when we were walking with Christ. And so God's Word challenges us to be able to stay focused on being grateful for what he has done. I'm going to turn. You don't necessarily need to, but I want to read to you from uh, 2 Peter these words from God's word. 2 Peter chapter 2. And it says this. I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. See, here it says in verse 8 of chapter 1, after what I quoted to you earlier about us growing in our knowledge and self-control and endurance and so on, it says the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those that God has called and chosen. And then it says this, do these things and you will never fall away. That's a warning with, if you do this, this won't happen. It makes no sense to say that's not even possible if it's included in the warning. It says that if we do these things, we will never fall away. The truth is you and I must be cognizant of our walk with God on a regular basis. Just as I'm married to my wife and my relationship with my wife, even though I stood at an altar over 19 years ago and committed myself to my wife, I have to do that every single day. over and over and over again for our relationship to be alive. And the truth is, is just as our relationship with God, there are avenues that I could walk down that would bring devastation to our marriage if I did not keep that alive and active every single day. You see, it's the same with God. We can never take our relationship with God for granted. Neither can I take my relationship with my wife for granted. Neither you with your spouse. We must always be grateful for what the Lord has done for us. And we cannot relegate it to simply a time past. Oh, I said thank you to God a long time ago. I hope he remembers that. No. 
every single day. And when I wake up in the morning, I make it a daily habit. Just a couple things to come to my mind. Sometimes I raise my hand toward heaven in the bed. Sometimes I don't. But I say, thank you, God. And I'll just list a couple things. Because my heart is filled with gratitude for what the Lord has done for me. And I believe that as I remain grateful to the Lord, that God's going to keep me heading in the right direction. But if I begin to develop an, a mentality of, well, God, why haven't you done this for me? And why haven't you answered this prayer yet? And why haven't you fulfilled this need? I mean, I still need this money, and I still need this situation resolved, and I still You see what's happening? My glasses are transitioning. And I can't see clearly. But when I say, God, thank you for what I do have. Now, he's made me some promises. He said he'll take care of me. So either he's telling the truth or he's not. And I can say that sometimes, even though it's gotten down to the wire, he's been faithful. He's been faithful. It's not always happened exactly when I want it, but he doesn't owe me that. He doesn't owe me that. So thankfulness opens our eyes to see wonderful qualities about our magnificent God. And when we lack thankfulness, it, we develop a case of spiritual myopia. The next thing I want to share with you is, is that thankfulness opens our eyes to what really matters in the midst of intense pain. Perhaps all of you have been there. Times where your heart has been just crushed. Crushed. So here's what thankfulness does when your heart is crushed. So you may be very well familiar with this scripture, but I just want to apply it to the context. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says that Jesus, and this was on the night that he was going to be betrayed, and he knew he'd be walking down that Via Dolorosa, and he would be giving his life for us. And he says, he, he, he does this. He takes bread. Now, what does the bread represent? His body. Watch what he does. He gives thanks. Who's he thanking? His father. What did his father ask him to do? To give his body, which represented the bread that he was being thankful for. And he knew that. This was the whole connection. He takes the bread that represents his body. And he looks at his father and he thanks his father for it. But that wasn't all. It says, after he gave thanks... He did this. He broke it. Now, what did that mean? That was symbolic of what would very soon happen to him. Painful. Thanksgiving and pain can go hand in hand. Sometimes you may think, well, I'll... 
I'll be thankful when I feel well. You know? Sun is shining. Beautiful day. Plenty of money in my bank account. Thank you, God. Things not going so well? Well, I'll have to take some time to think about that one. And yet Jesus, by example, the epitome, not only of physical pain, but of carrying the sins of the world and knowing all that would entail, gives thanks, breaks the bread, and then he gives it to all of his disciples. And he says these words, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, every time we take communion, this is my prayer that it'll never get old. That it'll never get like, okay, yeah, let's do communion again. But it's a sobering thing. It represents him giving his very best for us. Thankfulness has a way of showing us what really matters in the midst of the pain. You see, what really mattered to Jesus was you and me. So while he was on that cross, he was thinking about us. And that's no doubt what he was thankful for. I mean, none of us would really just say, well, pain, yeah, let's be thankful for pain. Like, who would enjoy that? Nobody. But the truth is, is that when you go through pain and something good comes of it, there's great joy. There's great joy. For every woman who has given birth to a child, and you go through the labor, some very intense, some short, but all in all, every bit of pain that that woman goes through pales in comparison to the joy of holding that child in your hand. And in a similar way, no matter what you go through, you need to ask yourself the question, what is God doing here that is going to bring me joy? Because God never intended pain to enter this world, by the way. He didn't want that. But I will tell you this, that in the mess that we live in, pain is a blessing. You see, part of the problem with leprosy is that with leprosy, your nerve endings aren't working. And so you feel no pain. So you could stick your toe in a fire accidentally, and the toe could be burning, and you'd have no clue. You see the blessing? It preserves. You could have something that is completely infected inside your body, and you'd have no idea that it's infected. And part of the problem with leprosy was not just the leprosy itself. It was the fact that, every, that all the leper's body parts would get injured and they wouldn't even know that they were injured. So they wouldn't be able to tend to the problem. Pain is a blessing because it shows us where the problem is. And when we know where the problem is, then we can take steps to remedy it. Jesus knew very well what the problem was. It was sin. 
Sin brought him to the cross, which caused him the pain. But the Bible tells us that he was willing to go through that so that he could have the joy of you and I entering into his presence forever. And I'm so thankful for what Jesus did. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, he said these words, or, or the Apostle Paul said these words. Is not the cup of thanksgiving, he calls it, for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, and we all share the one loaf. We're all in it together. In fact, the scripture says that if we're going to share in his glory, we must also share in his, ouch, painful. I've read that at times and go, I know that's God's word, but somehow in my human nature, I wish that weren't there. But it's part of the package. If we're going to share in his glory, we must also be willing to share in his suffering. Number three, thanksgiving, it keeps us alert to the temptations of the devious enemy of our souls. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians gives a list of things that are going to try to become a part of God's people. This is not just the world here, but these are God's people. And it goes down the list. He says it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, among you, okay? That's every single one of us here. Among you as believers, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Now, in place of all that, this is what the Apostle Paul says should happen. He says, but rather, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, when you have a thankful heart, it makes your uh, spiritual receptors more sensitive to what is right and wrong. Thanksgiving will actually increase your level of discernment. Thanksgiving will make you more keenly aware to the voice of God. Thanksgiving will help you to be able to grasp what God desires of you and he will also, or thanksgiving will also help you be alert to what the enemy is trying to do to throw you off course. Instead of being greedy, be thankful. Instead of being impure or immoral, be thankful. Instead of foolish talk or coarse joking, be thankful. What's the remedy? Be thankful. Have you ever been around a group of people that all that was a part of their life? I have. Before having the privilege of working in the house of God, I've worked among very impure, mouthed people who speak all kinds of coarse jokes, terrible things, terrible words. You infuse a little bit of thanksgiving in there, it disrupts the whole thing. That's the antidote. It's the secret weapon. 
be grateful. Be grateful to your boss for the good things he's doing for you. He, after all, he's pay, hopefully he's giving you a paycheck. Be thankful. There might be some things that might rub you the wrong way, but find some things to be thankful for. It's a secret weapon. Be thankful to those around you. Somebody working with you, co-worker, find something to be thankful for. Well, I really appreciated you, you did this. This really helped me out the other day. Maybe that person gets on your nerves. Still find something to be thankful. It's a blessing. They don't know what to do with it. Be thankful to God in the presence of the people who do these kinds of things. Now, this isn't limited even to the people who are outside the church. Sometimes you'll find yourself among people you'd never think would say certain things. Gossip. It can find its way in the church so quickly. What do you do? Be thankful. Someone's rattling off about, oh, did you know so-and-so said this, did this, da 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 And inside of you, you're just, you're listening, but you're like, what do I do? Change the conversation. Be thankful. You know what? I'm just so thankful because God's been doing some great things in our church lately. You know what happened? They don't know what to do with it. It changes the conversation. So when you're not sure which way to go, be thankful. Be thankful. And God, through his Holy Spirit, will redirect. Uh, Thanksgiving also helps you when you need to deal with something that's difficult. In, uh, Ephesians, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That word admonish actually means to rebuke someone mildly but earnestly. To advise someone to do or not do something. Now, I pray regularly that the Lord help me to be able to share with you his word. Now, the truth is, is that this word can be administered in many different ways. It's kind of like medicine, you know. For those of you who work in the medical field, you know that medicine can be administered in various ways. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it, it's possible to give very bitter medicine in a way that can be tolerable by adding something to it. A little bit of honey would make it a whole lot easier to swallow. And the same thing with the Word of God. And the way that God helps you to know how to administer a strong word when someone's out of line, and for you to know how to approach that with, without coming up to them and going, what in the world are you doing? You should know better by now. I'm ashamed of you. Instead of approaching it in a way where the person will be totally taken back and you won't get your message across, when you're thankful to God... God helps you to be able to know how to approach difficult situations so that your words will come across as a mild rebuke and respectful instead of harsh. 
But what happens is, is when we are not thankful to the Lord and we are pri- proud and we're doing our own thing, we can still preach this. But the way that it comes across can be very difficult to swallow. But it's medicine, so it's true. It's good. But did you know you can present this in such a way that someone can reject it? You've got to be careful that we allow the Spirit of God to teach us. And the way that we do that is by living out a thankful life to the Lord. When we're truly grateful, He teaches us how to administer the Word of God. You know, I've had, unfortunately, some very difficult conversations with people. And sometimes very difficult decisions had to be made, to be quite frank. And some people will listen and some people won't listen. That's just the reality. But the truth is, is that when things are said, they need to be said with love. And only God can teach us how to do that. And I'm going to tell you that if you haven't learned the art of working through disagreements, you need to learn that. Because sometimes we risk it when we just avoid those discussions. Marriages can crumble when things that are just in the mind over and over, swirling for years, but never talked about. And then finally, one spouse is up and gone, and the other has no idea why. Why? Because those things were never addressed. But the same thing happens in churches. Things swirl in I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. And the same thought every single week. I can't believe, how could, and over and over and over. And you know what? You can only do that so long. Without ever going to the person and saying, you know what? Really puzzled, not quite sure. Maybe I misunderstood, but please help me understand. This is what I thought you said. Is that really true? And you get to the bottom of it. Don't allow the enemy to get his foot in the door. Be thankful to the Lord, and as you're thankful, God will teach you how to work through very difficult situations. Number five, thanksgiving paves the way for God's precious peace. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving takes effort. Thanksgiving takes effort. In fact, if you're not thoughtful, then it's very easy to allow thanks to go unnoticed to, or to not even be communicated because life can be busy. There are people that can bless our lives that we receive the blessing and we go on, but we never say thank you. Nine lepers did that. Let's not join that crew. I want to encourage you this week, and we want to be thankful to God, but I want to turn your attention this week for a moment to ponder on those people in your life that that have blessed you. And I want to ask you to ponder on whether or not you have actually thanked them. You know, there are people at times at funerals where I will, especially if the person's still around and, and, and it's prior to the funeral, but they know the person's passing, And I'll often ask the question, is there anything unsaid that you still need to say? And there are times that conversations happen bedside before death 
that should have happened years ago. Oh, I just want to let you know, I want to thank you for, for being there for me. That person may have never heard that for years. Why wait that long? I know sometimes it may seem out of the norm, and you might think, well, what, this person's going to think I'm strange, coming up to them and saying, I'm, thank you for something. That's good. They'll think it's strange, and they'll love you for it. I want to encourage you this week to mentally go through and think about those who have blessed your life. I'm not talking about finding perfect people that you're going to be praising because they did everything right. I'm talking about people who have blessed your life, even if in other ways they may have caused you pain. After all, Jesus died for imperfect people, didn't he? So find those people in your life. Write them a card. Give them a call. Preferably those. If you have to send a text. If you have to send a Facebook message. But let it be personal. Let them know that you're thankful. And as you're thankful, you watch what happens with your glasses. They'll start to transition. You'll see things you didn't see before because the Holy Spirit begins to clear off the fog. I, I never like to miss an opportunity that if you're here in church this morning, the Spirit of God wants everyone to be ready for heaven. And maybe you're here and and the Holy Spirit brought you to the church this morning, but maybe you're not ready to meet God. I never take for granted that just because you're in church that you're ready to enter into the presence of God. And so I want to make an appeal to you today. If you're sitting in this place, but your heart is not yet fully surrendered to Jesus, and you have not followed through on accepting the penalty that Jesus paid on the cross for your sin, but you would like to do that. And your heart cries out, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. If that's you and you're here today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't let a day go by because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are. And so I want to take just a moment, if we could all close ourselves in with God, with our eyes closed and heads bowed, would you just simply... Hear the voice of God speaking to you today. If either you have wandered away from Him or you have yet to take that first step to ask Jesus to come in and to make your heart clean, to write your name in the book of life, then I want to provide you with that opportunity. I would love to pray with you this morning. The Bible says, with our heart we believe, but with our mouth we confess. If you're in this room today and you would like to take that step of surrendering your life to Jesus, asking him to come in and to make you a brand new person, right where you're sitting, would you just simply raise your hand nice and high? I'd love to pray for you. Is there anyone this morning? simply ask one more time because this is the most important part of the service. Is there anyone? 
God sees your hand. He sees your heart. So would you join me in just standing to your feet? Would you, would you simply raise your hands towards heaven? And as we're dismissed, would you just simply in your own words, just give God thanks for all that he has done because he is worthy. God, we thank you in this place. You have done more for us than all of us deserve. And we are filled with thankfulness this morning. We are filled with gratitude for what you've done and for what you have done in our lives to our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you, Lord, that there are things that you will do that you haven't done yet, that you're going to fulfill because you are a faithful God. We love you and we thank you for loving us. And I pray that now throughout this week, you would give all of us divine appointments to be able to share the wonders of what you've done in our lives and that you would grow us to be strong in you as we maintain grateful hearts for the glory of God and in the name of Jesus. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you today and always. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day in the presence of the Lord.